All right. Good to good to be here with you this morning. And um, let's go, if you would, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. We'll start in verse 8. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. All right, Exodus 17, we're starting in verse 8 here. It says, I'm going to read through verse 16. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men, and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let it down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this this account here and for the things that you want to teach us, Lord. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. What we see here is the battle with Amalek. And uh, what we're looking at today total is we want to look at some of the things that were formative to Joshua. The great man of God, Joshua, that we know so much about and we read so much about. And uh, if you were here Wednesday night, this is almost a continuation of Wednesday night because this is about bringing along the next generation. This is about bringing along those who will continue the work. And uh, here we see this battle. And, um, you know, Moses gives Joshua a task. Um, Several places in Scripture we see Joshua with Moses as though he's in training, right? The Bible talks about Joshua being Moses' aide. And um, we see when Joshua goes um, into the tab, excuse me, when Moses goes in the tabernacle, Joshua goes too. And there are times when when Moses leaves the tabernacle and Joshua stays behind longer. We're not told what he's doing. Uh, presumably, he's he's still praying. Um, but we see him going where where Moses goes. Even if you look at the account of the golden calf, okay, when when, when Israel rebelled and made made an idol to worship. Because they were tired of waiting on God and waiting on Moses. Because remember, Moses was up on the mountain receiving the, the, the law, receiving the commandments. He was there 40 days. And um, if you read that account, you'll see Joshua was there too. Now, I, I, I don't know that Joshua was all the way up there with Moses, but he was not down with the people. Because when the noise of the worship of the idol starts, Joshua hears it from a distance. And he thinks it's, he thinks it's fighting. Okay, so he wasn't there either. So Joshua goes where Moses goes, does what Moses does, um, where he's where he's allowed to. There are times when God says nobody but Moses. Um, but Joshua is being brought along by Moses. He's he's being trained, if you will. And here Joshua uh, chooses and leads men into battle. So he was entrusted with that, right? Moses understands 
to some degree what Joshua's calling is and what his future is going to be. I don't know how much he knows at this point. Okay, but but he knows this is going to be the next leader. And so he 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 delegates, he he gives Joshua this task. And now he does it under his leadership. Right? He doesn't just throw Joshua to the wolves, but he does entrust him with some responsibilities. And uh, that's something that's important that, that we do, whether it be with your own children or or like we're a local body here. We're we're the church locally. And so we do that with not only with our own children, but with the younger people in the church, the younger Christians, um, because they need that. And I asked you all this Wednesday night, I'll ask it again. How many of you, your kids listen to other people better than they do to you? Right. They, yeah. I heard some chuckles. OK, so they um, you can say something to them for years and you teach it to them and teach it to them. And it's not that they don't hear it, but then they come home one day and like, man, you know, so-and-so talked about this. And it's something you've been telling them for years. And they're so, it's, but it was impressed upon them because it came from somebody else. Um, don't be discouraged by that. They did hear you say it. That's why they're coming and telling you about it because they heard it somewhere else too. Okay. And now it's, it's, it's doubled the impact. Okay. We've got to help each other with that. We help each other with the raising of, of our kids. We, um, we be consistent with each other. We teach the Bible. You hear the Bible in my home. Okay, well, you know, my kid's over at your house today, and that, guess what? They heard the Bible. They heard the same thing being taught. They saw the same principles being followed. So when we do that, we're, we're bringing that generation up, and we're reinforcing. We're showing that consistency. You might notice also if you read, you read through in Scripture, um, before the death of Moses, most places where Joshua and Caleb are mentioned, Caleb's name comes first. Have you noticed that? It's usually Caleb and Joshua up to a certain point, and then it becomes Joshua and Caleb when he begins to assume the, the leadership role. Um, the more I read the Bible, the more I'm convinced everything is by design, including the order of the names. Okay, so I believe there was also kind of a peer mentoring and strengthening relationship between Caleb and Joshua. And so Joshua was not just being brought along by Moses, but also by Caleb, okay, an, an, another, another man of God in his life who was more of a peer rather than a, an elder. And so we do that for each other. We find that in each other. Okay, and, it, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing because it's not, it's not something we can just, you know, I, I know we don't know each other, but we're, we're, let's, 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 let's do this. I sign up to be your mentor or something like that. It, it, just, it just doesn't work that way, and you, you probably know this by now. But as we do things together, as we work, as we minister together, we, yes, we go to church together. Outside of church, we, we do ministry together. And we find each other. We, we find the ones who are, who are wanting to do the same things that we are. And, and as we go through things together, we learn that we can rely on each other, trust each other. And then we learn that we can open up and we can talk about things. I can, I can, I can open up to the things about you that I wouldn't tell other people because I know you're a brother. You're a sister and, and you're going to take care of me. You're not going to judge me and cast me away. You're going to help me. You're going to pray with me. You're going to take me through scripture and show me what God says about whatever I'm going through. And I'm going to do that with you. And we bring each other along in that way. So where the Lord called and where he led, Moses delegated. Moses entrusted those things to Joshua. He showed Joshua, I trust you with this. I believe the Lord's called you here. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide you through this. Right? He didn't tell Joshua, I'm going to do this. 
you're not ready yet. Was Joshua ready yet? I don't know. But Moses began to, to allow him to work. He also prayed for him. Okay, so Moses holds up the rod, or your translation may say the staff. Different ones call it different things, but it's, it's essentially the stick, the same one that he held up and the, the sea parted. Uh, don't be confused. There's nothing magical about the staff. Okay, the, the staff is represented um, is representative of, of our prayers, okay, when he holds it up. So <clears throat> he doesn't just send Joshua into battle. He sends him into battle and tells him, I'm going to be up here and I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to be praying for you, okay? We're going into battle together. You're going to lead them because this is your calling, but you're not alone. I'm praying. And I, I remember um, as a young man, my father would go and preach. He, he wasn't a pastor when I was a kid, but he would interim pastor and just go preach and do revivals and things like that. And there, there came a while where another guy from church, it was a friend of ours, would go with him. When they would when they would travel and preach, and all he would do was pray. He would go with him, and he would pray while Daddy was preaching. And you know, you got to know. In my young mind, that impressed upon me that this is this is brothers going into battle together, right? That there is a there is a spiritual aspect. And I want to ask you: Do you pray for Brother Tom before, and during, while he's preaching? Goodness knows he needs it, right? He's seeing this right now, I'm sure. That's for you, Brother Tom. That kid, kind of. All right. We do need it. Okay? Every, every preacher who's honest will tell you, myself included, that uh, being called to preach is not a compliment. Okay? God chooses the most unlikely, the least qualified, and he says, look what I'm going to do. Look what I'm going to make out of you. And Brother Tom's very open about that, right? When he goes home, people can't believe, like, <laughs> you? And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. All right? So... He needs our prayers, right? We need to be prayed for when we, when we go into battle. And I ask you, are you doing that? And if you're not, start doing it. Start today, right? Um, pray. Do what you have to do. Fight those spiritual battles for them. And then we see, I love this, when Moses' arms get tired, Aaron and her are there, and they, they uh, literally physically hold his arms up. So, so they can continue. So what we have here, I love, is men helping men who are helping men. Do y'all see that? We have three layers going on here, right? So Joshua is leading them into battle. Moses is praying for him. And so that he doesn't falter, yes, people who are holding him up also. We, we can equate that with more prayer. We can also equate that with, with, with um, tangible ministry. What do you need right now? What do you need me to do? Those kinds of things. That's what we do for each other. And we, we model that and we do that. And so Joshua, Joshua knows this is going on. He knows not only is Moses up there, he's being taken care of as well. Right? He's, he's seeing that. And, he, and like we, we already know, he has that relationship with Caleb. Moses has it too. It's being cultivated and fostered and brought up. Right? That's, that's something I pray for for my kids is for the people who will be in People who are in their lives now, their current friends, but those who will be as they grow up. And if, you know, people move sometimes and, you, you know, you, you grow up and you go different stages of life, the people they don't even know yet, but pray for them now that they would be kept and, and, and be ready for your children, being brought up and being someone who can strengthen your children. Not only that, but that your children will be the same. They would be someone who would strengthen the people who are going to be in their lives. 
Right, begin praying for those things and pray believing. This is what God wants us to do. This is what he's told us to do. And, uh, and he'll do it. He'll keep his word. So he's being prayed for. The battle was the Lord's as ours is. All right. The battle was the Lord's. So Moses engaged in the battle with Joshua. And when that wasn't enough, Aaron and her threw into. So people helping people who are helping people. And as far as it, far down the line as it takes, who knows how far it really goes. All right. But, but we, we be that for each other. We do that for each other. We need to pray for each other and we need to be prayed for. You want to know how to engage, train, and bring up those who are younger than you? First of all, pray for them. Second, let them know you're praying for them. Pray with them. And yes, even those that are not your own children. And I said this Wednesday evening, I'll say it again, that there are many of you in, in here who do that for me and for my family. Some of you who are older who are mentoring and teaching and just kind of taking us, my family under your wing. And, and I know you do that for other people too. And then we in turn need to do that for those that are younger than us and invest in them, spend that time, pray for them, pray with them. Um, that is not normal behavior, right? We don't see in the world people praying together and praying for each other. That's, that's not even on their radar. So our kids are not going to learn that and see that anywhere else. They've got to see it modeled in us. Pray for them, pray with them. It should be normal in their lives within the church. They need to know, hey, this is this is what this is what our dads do. They pray together. Right? They, they they talk to each other. They pray for each other. Um, this is this is their life. This is what I've seen. This is what I know. Let's go to. Um, you don't have to go there, but if you want to, Ephesians two ten. Um, for we are his workmanship created in Christ. And some translations, in that word workmanship is different, but we're his creation, right? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the children in your life, the younger people, young adults, the, 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 the teenagers, whoever, they have a calling from God. They have works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that they should walk in them, just as you do. Moses saw that in Joshua, right? Well, what if I don't know what their calling is? Pray for that. Pray for them to, to, to know that. And then work with them. Do ministry with them. Try things. Go, go and do things. I also remember in the church I grew up in, we would do visitation where uh, like one Wednesday night a month or some other, I don't remember what night it was, but we would, whoever wanted to would show up at church and we would get visitor cards and we'd go. You know, we'd go visit. And I got paired with, 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 um, I was a teenager and a 30-something-year-old man in our church that I knew, but we didn't, you know, we were acquaintances. We'd say hello, but I never really spent time with him. And we went and rode around and made some visits that night and got to talk. And, uh, and I got to see him sharing the gospel with people, just, just cold, showing up at their door and sharing the gospel. And, uh, and that was, you know, that's something I remember. And that, that deepened our relationship from then on. Now we, it's not just saying hello and greeting each other at church, but now, we, we, you know, we spent some time together. We can talk. And I've seen him do something. I've seen him train me in something. And that's made me stronger. That, that's given me a reference point. Like this is how that's done. I'm, I'm grateful to him for that. And um, do we do that? Do you have anyone that you're doing that with and doing that for? That you spend time with outside of, outside of church? You know, your families or friends. Send them a message. Give them a call. 
Um, Brother Tom says this all the time, but for our for our children and our youth, show up at their ball games and and and, and talk to them. You know, let them know you're there. And uh, talk about it later. Ask them about it. if you didn't get to go. Ask them about it. You know, just just talk about it and um, get to know people. And uh, there there is no substitute for that. There's it's just it just takes that investment. It takes that time. And uh, maybe you'd be surprised. Maybe not. I think you'll even enjoy it. And um, the, re- the response might surprise you too. But we want to train them in their calling, help them to find out what their calling is, and then train them in that, bring them along in that. We need to pray, we need to do things with them, we work with them, we make it fun, and we have fun too. And some of the, some of the men in church my age, we've talked about this quite a bit, dads, we have the ability like nobody else to just suck the fun right out of anything, Right? And we don't mean to. I'm getting some witnesses out there, some testimonies. Um, it, it's easy to do. We don't want to do it, but we do it. And we're able to do it. So we have to be, we have to watch ourselves for that. We have to pray for that. Listen to your wife. She will let you know when you're beginning to do that. Um, be humble. Be teachable. All right? And uh, make it fun with your own kids with other people's kids, whoever it is you're working with, with your peers, your age group peers, make it fun. Have a good time doing it. Uh, and that, cause that, that's another thing is so many, so many of our, of our young people, our young adults, our teenagers, um, they are being told and they're not being shown any different that I have to do these things that are rebellious against God. I have to do these things to have a good time. I can't have fun unless I'm doing these things. Couldn't be farther from the truth. But are they being shown that? They need to know, yeah, you can have a good time without those things over there. And here's the kicker, you'll remember it if you do it without those things over there, right? So they need to see that. Um, and don't don't overbear with it, you know? Like give them some room, give them some space, but, but, but reach out to them, bring them along. Um, I was talking with... Hope you don't mind with Michael the other day. I just we 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 just feel so old and uncool when we're around younger people than us, and uh, we're we're just at that stage in life. And the conclusion we arrived at is that's okay. Embrace that, right? Because that's 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 who I am at this point. And so, um, embrace it. Go along with it. Don't try to be something you're not. But. Um, just take a little time. Spend time. Invest in people just like Moses did in Joshua. Um, our, like I said, our kids are being told that rebellion against the Lord is the only way to have a good time. Um, they're being told that acts of rebellion are important formative experiences. They're being told that. Many of them think that. Even a lot of professing Christians think that and act that way. All right? Just, just the kind of boys will be boys, kids will be kids kind of a mentality. And God, God's calling us to more than that. They need to see the joy. Okay, and I know the Christian life is not all about fun. Jesus was very clear about that. Okay, but they need to see the joy. They need to see the um, that there's nothing else like the fellowship that Christians can have with each other. And if that's hitting you wrong and you're like, that, well, no, uh, then, then, then you don't know it yet either. You haven't experienced it yet. Trust God. Be that person. Invest yourself in each other and watch what happens watch the fellowship grow our kids need to see us doing that
show them the truth and pray for the right friends for them. Deuteronomy 138, let's go there. If you're, if you're still in Exodus, let's just go over to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 38. So the wording of this, if you look at the whole passage, this is Moses telling the people what God said. So I'm, I'm telling you that because the wording is going to feel weird if you don't get that. Because it's like, who's talking and who are they talking to? So this is what God said to Moses. That's Deuteronomy 1.38. So this is later. We fast-forwarded quite a bit here. So that was early Joshua, and now we're here at the end when Moses is about done. He says, God says to Moses, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. So this is this is the handing off. Okay, Moses is going to die soon, and we, we, we know the story. Moses did not get to lead them into the promised land because of his anger and because he he uh, he struck the rock instead of speaking to it, like God said, and and. You're probably aware of this already, but that was that messed up the picture of Christ that God was trying to make there, right? Where the rock is struck one time, that's the cross, and from then on, Moses was to speak to the rock, which is prayer, right? It's, it was supposed to be a one thing, and then Moses got angry and struck the rock the second time. And so, um, but because of Moses' anger, he, he's not going to be the one to lead them in and to, uh, to take the promised land. Now... That could, uh, according to the flesh, according to the human mind, Moses would have had every right to have been bitter and to have been angry and say, no, I'm not going to encourage Joshua in that. This should be mine. Right? This is rightfully mine. I've done all the work. I put up with these people all these years, and I did everything you told me to, Lord. I didn't ask for any of this. And, and now you want me to hand it off to somebody else so they can bring it home and they can go in. But we don't see that in Moses' response. Right? We don't see Moses being about himself. This is the... I'm two weeks into teacher trainings now. Kids are coming back on Monday. And man, just... Everything is about me. Everything is about me. In the eyes of the world, it's about self. That's what we're, we're being encouraged as teachers to, you know... Build yourself up. Do these things for yourself. And in, in all honesty, some of it's just about taking care of your own health, right? Making sure that you're, you're eating and getting enough sleep. That, I'll give you that. But it goes farther than that. Okay? It, it's, about, it's about self first. Okay? And you would think teachers would be the last people in the world who should be thinking that way. And you'd be right to think that. Uh, but that's what we're being told. It's all about self. And God God says, lose yourself. God says, lose this life. Trust me with it. Let me, let me give you my life. And that, that is so liberating. There's so much freedom in that. Just to, just to forget about yourself. And that's, that's something, Marcy and I, the last few weeks of summer, we really, um, a preacher we got to hear, some things that we read was really just about just um, whenever I feel like, you know, God's calling me to do this, but I'm not adequate. That's a form of pridefulness because I'm thinking about me. My eyes are so on me that I'm not just saying yes to God and just going along and doing what he's called me to do. 
And so that's 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 putting myself into a prison and that's putting God at a distance from me saying, no, I don't believe you can do this with me instead of just saying, yeah, you're God. You, you created me. You, you do what you want with me. It's it's so freeing just to not be about me. Right. And uh, there was one training I attended this week where we were we were told, repeat after me, it's all about me. It's all about me. And I didn't. And um, I want us to say the opposite. And you don't have to do this out loud right now, but that needs to be our mindset. It is not about me. There's so much freedom in that. It's not about me. And Moses, we don't we don't see even a hint of bitterness in Moses. The closest thing to it we see is where he says, let me at least look. And God says, okay. That's, that's the closest we see because he wanted to see into the land before he died. And so he, he does what God called him to do. So think about that. Right? How much weight, encouragement from Moses must have carried for Joshua? Okay, this is Moses we're talking about whom Joshua has followed all these years and learned from. Think about the people in your life whose encouragement would mean the most to you, would carry the most weight. Just get that one or two people in your mind. And I'm going to ask you to answer me out loud here, just anybody. Why, why would that person's encouragement carry so much weight with you, anyone? You don't have to tell me who they are, but what makes them so weighty to you? Go ahead. They're a mentor. I respect them. Perfect. Thank you. Who else? No? They're a good Christian. I know they're going to tell me the truth. Yes, thank you. All of those things cause us to respect this person, and we see all of that at play here. So we need to be that for each other. Be a mentor. Be a Christian. Be someone that that people know they're going to give me godly counsel. They're not going to give me advice or their opinions. They're going to give me godly counsel. They're going to take me to the word. And be someone that people know they're going to tell me the truth. They're going to shoot straight with me. You don't have to be a jerk. Okay, you can say it nicely, but... Be real. Be honest with people. Okay? And then when you encourage someone, it means a whole lot. And and because, like you said in the first, there's a mentor. There's there's history there. Okay? You're not just someone who's coming to me. I've never, I don't really know all that well. We've been through some things together. And so your words mean more to me. All right? Make those investments. Stay in Deuteronomy. Let's go to chapter 3. Verses 21 and 22. So this is where Moses does the encouraging. So God told him to, and here's where he does it. Deuteronomy 3, 21 through 22. And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. He's talking about um, Sihon and Og. There were two kings that were defeated by them, by the Israelites. So the Lord will do to all the kingdoms to which you pass. And verse 22 says, you must not fear them for the Lord your God himself fights for you. Okay, so Moses, who has the credibility to say these things to Joshua, speaks this to Joshua, giving him, essentially giving him his blessing. Okay, this is what the Lord has done for me. You were there, you saw it, you know this, and now it's your turn. Don't be afraid. Here's what God has said to you and said about you and what he's going to do with you. So he encourages him. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. 
And this, these verses give us a picture of what the church should look like, what we should be doing for each other. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Consider means think about each other, right? How can I stir you up to love and good works? I need to be doing those things. So that's what I need to be thinking about. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Here's why we come to church, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And notice the day, capital D, the day. Right, the day of the Lord. As we see the end coming near, we do, we're supposed to be doing this more and more. Why? Because our kids need it more and more. Ephesians chapter six says that you'd be able to stand when the, in the day of evil. Right, when the day of evil comes, we know evil days. We've we've seen them. We're seeing them now, and we know from Scripture it's not going to get lighter. Right, it's going to get darker. And so, the more as we see the day approaching. We do these things. We invest in each other. We bring each other along. We train each other. We train not only our peers, but those that are younger than us. We are to encourage others in their callings, the things God's called them to do, just like Moses did for Joshua. What if Moses had chosen to be bitter? Would there have even been a Joshua? And in the days that are coming, we will need Joshua's. We will need people who will stand in, in, in the face of the entire nation who were picked up stones ready to kill them and who will stand on the word of God. Are, are, we, are we making those people? Are we raising them up? We look at people. We, we look at the older people in our congregation and look at the hard workers they are and have been and look at their faithfulness throughout their life. And the world says we can't raise our kids today the way that they were raised. But we want the same result, right? I want to I plant something different but get the same. Like it, it doesn't work. I've got to do it the way they were brought up. I've got to do it the way the Bible says it. And we, have to, we have to be the church and come around each other and spur each other on to love and good works. There may, there may not have been... There may not have been a Joshua. Had Moses not done what God told him to do, had he chosen to be bitter and say, no, Joshua's on his own. Um, Earl Combs, does anybody know that name? All right. Does anybody know anything about the 1927 Yankees? Okay, all right, there you go. They were very good. Most people say the best baseball team ever assembled, all right? Earl Combs was the center fielder. He's, he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame now. You don't know his name probably because he was overshadowed by Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig on the same team. You know, you know those names. Um, but he was the leadoff man. When, when Ruth and Gehrig combined for like over 300 runs batted in in a year, which is just nobody even comes close to that anymore. And most of the time it was because he was on base in front of them. Uh, Earl Combs was a Christian, by the way. All right, when they were out drinking and living it up he was in his hotel room studying the bible and um he played until into the 30s and that's when a young joe dimaggio came and took over the center field job for the new york yankees 
right? And Earl Combs took young Joe DiMaggio under his wing and taught him everything he knew, taught him the ins and outs of playing center field at Yankee Stadium, you know, taught him the Yankee way, taught him how to hit, and uh, taught him how to play center, both of which DiMaggio was one of the best at. Fast forward another 20 years, the Yankees had back-to-back-to-back Hall of Fame center fielders for a long, long time, right? So when DiMaggio in the early 50s starts getting old and phasing out, young Mickey Mantle comes on. What did DiMaggio do? He gave Mantle the cold shoulder because he he was, I'm, I'm Joe DiMaggio. Who's this kid think he is? Kid from Oklahoma, right? Gave him the cold shoulder. He didn't do what was done for him. How good could Mickey Mantle have been, right? Had he, had he had the benefit of two previous Hall of Famers pouring into him, Combs by extension, you know. Um, we have that benefit. I'm, I'm going to get the order wrong, but we know like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, the order's not, but that was, you know, probably the all-time great teacher-mentor mentor relationship on down the chain, you know. Um, Moses does that for Joshua here. Okay, we, we see him pouring into him and raising him up and giving him everything he needs, equipping him, giving him the opportunities, praying for him, leading him, giving him the Lord's blessing before turning it over to him. And so we need to not look at the younger people in our lives and think, who do they think they are? Oh, my goodness, look at them. What in the world? I was studying for this, and I was thinking maybe Joshua had a silly haircut when he was young and dressed weird, right, and listened to dumb music. Just throwing that out there. I don't know, right? Um, I'm not proud of. When, when, I was, when I was younger, I had enormous sideburns and a goatee. That was before I knew Marcy, right? Um, but, that, hey, that's just that's how it goes, you know? Um, he didn't care about any of that. We just bring them along, Okay. We teach them, we train them. No, we're not the same generation. We're different. No, I'm not cool. <laughs> um, that's not what they need. They don't need me. They don't need a 40-something-year-old buddy, right? They need, they need a mentor. They need a teacher. They need someone to train them in the way they should go. They need someone to come alongside their parents and do the same. So who will bring them up if we don't? Our enemy, the devil, would love to keep Joshua from becoming Joshua. He would love that. Okay, and we, we may have Joshua's sitting in here right now. The Lord will raise up those who will say yes to him. Not the most talented, not the smartest, not the coolest, etc. But those who will say yes to him is who he's going to raise up. And so will you say yes to him and just just spend time? Just, just take the time. Um, talk to him. Pray with him. Pray for him. Do things with them. Do ministry with them. Right? Whatever that may look like. Do whatever. And when we got people in this church that do all kinds of different ministry. Okay? So you got all these. Do you want to find what your calling is? Try things with different people. We got people that work with warm. We got people that, that do teaching and preaching. We got, we got people doing music. We got people that build things and fix things for people. Um, we, we, got, we got missionaries. Um, there's, there's nothing we don't have. So that, I mean, there, there's everything for you to try. And just take somebody. Take them along with you. Let's, let's do this. Especially if it's somebody who's struggling with something. A new Christian who's struggling with letting go of the old way of life. They need to replace it with something. I'm going to be a broken record. I'm going to say that a lot. But God replaces the old life. He doesn't just take things from you. He replaces it with something better. 
you, you have that something better that that person needs to replace it with. Take them with you when you go and do a hospital visit, when you, when you go fix something for somebody or get groceries for somebody. Just take them with you. Right. Just go for a ride. Buy them a root beer. It'll make it more fun. Right. Yeah, me too. Who doesn't, right? Y'all pray with me. Father. Put a put a put a burden on our heart for somebody, Lord. At least one somebody who needs to be brought along. Remind us, Lord, of the people who brought us up and who brought us along and who mean so much to us. Help us not to think about ourselves, not to worry about I'm not this enough or I'm I'm too much of that. I'm too old. I'm too whatever. Help us just to let you set us free from that and just to, to fix our eyes on you and not worry about ourselves. We thank you for that freedom that you give us. Lord, please raise the ones up. Help us not to worry about whether or not we have uh, a youth a youth pastor, a youth minister. Um, but instead to do that work ourselves, not to look for somebody else to do it. And we know that you will provide the people that you want here, Lord. And we trust you for that. But in the meantime, that we would come along and, and just, just, just say yes to you. And do what you've called us to do anyway. And even when we do have a youth minister, that we would still do that. Not depend on somebody else to do what, what we do, what we should be doing. We love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus.